Good evening and welcome to Colorado Decides, a joint production of Colorado Public Television, CBS4 and KOA News Radio. I'm your host, Dominic DiZutti. Joining me tonight is political analyst Eric Sonderman. Tonight, we continue our coverage of the 2016 election by focusing on Amendment 72, also known as the Colorado Tobacco Tax Increase. If passed, taxes on cigarettes would be raised by $1.75 per pack of 20 versus the, the 84 cents per pack, so that'd be in addition, the total rate would be $2.59 per pack of 20 cigarettes. Join us for the next 30 minutes are Dr. David C. Goff, Jr., the proponent representing the Yes in 72 campaign. And also joining us is Linda Gorman of the Independence Institute and an opponent of the cigarette tax increase. I want to make a quick point here that we did invite the official No 172 campaign that you've seen the different commercials from. They did pass this opportunity to debate. However, there were other folks that were opposing this amendment, uh, the Independence Institute being one of them. So Linda Gorman or the Independence Institute are officially the campaign against this amendment. They just were able to argue uh, uh, arguments against it. So we're grateful that Linda was able to join us tonight. Uh, we have limited time, so let's get started. Eric, you want to kick us off with the first question? Great, and one just uh, other clarification at the very beginning. I want to make clear both of our panelists here and uh, viewers. In a past life, uh, my firm did was involved, in fact, led the campaign 12 years ago in favor of the last cigarette tax hike, Amendment 35. I have nothing to do with this campaign. I've had no involvement on either side whatsoever, but um, I just wanted to put out, that out there in the spirit of full disclosure. Uh, let me start with you, Doctor, and then um, we'll go back and forth here. How did we decide on this rate of increase, or how did the proponents decide on this rate of increase, and more, even more importantly, how did you decide where the money's going and on the list of beneficiaries? Yeah, great question, Will. Um, it might help um, our viewers to know why I support this amendment first, and then I'll get into some of those details. And I support the amendment because I do feel passionately about the importance of preventing our kids from starting to smoke cigarettes. And that's really what this amendment is about. I trained as a doctor and as a researcher, and I've spent the past 25 years doing research on prevention of heart disease and stroke and volunteering for the Heart Association. I'm the current uh, president of the Denver AHA. So this is something I feel very passionately about. Now the reason for the tax increase is that it's been about 12 years since Amendment 35 was passed. During that period of time, uh, the, um, the effectiveness of that tax on preventing youth and adults from smoking cigarettes has declined, and the actual value of that tax has declined. At the time, we were about at the average across all states in tobacco tax rates. Now we're at number 38 across all states in tobacco uh, tax rates. This increase will put us at number 11 across all states in uh, tobacco taxes. And we know that it'll reduce uh, youth initiation of smoking. Most people who become long-term smokers start uh, around age 15, certainly before age 18. I myself started smoking at age 15. So I know that there's a, um, a, a real attraction to cigarettes for uh, young people. And if we raise the tax, we'll prevent kids from smoking. Now you also asked where the money's going. The money's going into programs that will benefit smokers and communities that have high smoking rates. So the money's going into things like smoking cessation programs, uh, health research related to the harms of smoking and ways that we can do a better job of helping people quit smoking and how we can treat, cure, and prevent smoking-related illnesses. It's also going into to providing mental health services and we know that people with mental health problems also are more likely to smoke, uh, 
and have a lot more difficulty quitting smoking if we don't also address their mental health issues. Uh, and it goes into providing better care, uh, access to care in rural communities that have higher smoking rates. So the money's being used for uh, purposes that are really related to improving the health of our communities and improving uh, the health of smokers. Uh, and the, the rate that's been set is a rate that will help drive down uh, youth initiation, help prevent our kids from starting in the first place, and also help other people have an incentive to quit. And for Lyndon, a two-part question. One, I'll give you a jump ball. What is wrong with Amendment 72 and why are you opposed? And specifically, I assume you do not oppose the goal of smoking cessation. And isn't it true that price is the biggest the, the biggest incentive to, to, to quit smoking? Let's take the second. Well, first of all, yes, I agree that smoking is a bad thing, but some people choose to smoke. And the question really is, is how far we should go to preventing people from smoking. Should we lock them up in jail if they light a cigarette? Or should we just say they're individuals, they know the risks, they should do it? That's a question that we've decided so far in saying it's illegal. Go ahead and smoke. The question here is not about preventing smoking. The question is whether we should pass an amendment to the state constitution that basically funds bureaucracies no matter what happens. Um, all of this money goes to two bureaucracies, pretty much the Department of um, Public Health and Environment and the Department of Health Care Policy and Financing. Once it's in those bureaucracies, it can be spent almost on literally anything, homeless veterans, Alzheimer's research, and so forth. We know that this money from Amendment 35, I'm so happy you brought that up, typically has been spent to support Medicaid. The state's expanded Medicaid, 65% of the Amendment 35 funding next year is going to go for Medicaid. The rest goes for youth violence prevention, visiting home nurses, and um, early childhood literacy. We're going to spend $5 million on the Colorado Quit Line and $4.5 million on tobacco, anti-tobacco advertising. That's it. This money is not about preventing smoking. It's about funding bureaucracies outside of legislative oversight. And in terms of whether higher prices keep kids from initiating smoking, it's illegal for kids to buy cigarettes. So the question of whether higher prices causes um, people to smoke less is way open to question because there's huge amounts of smuggling. And one of the unintended consequences of this is that Wyoming has an 80 cent tax rate right now. And if Colorado raises it to, uh, what is it, 259, there's going to be a huge profit opportunity, both for individuals who do casual sm smuggling and criminal gangs who do much more than casual smuggling. The, the anti-tobacco argument has been, well, we just raise the taxes in all the states and people will stop smuggling. That hasn't worked in Europe. Um, Interpol just busted an underground Ukraine cigarette manufacturing facility that was being run to smuggle illegal cigarettes in. So we're not going to do prohibition on smoking, and the possibility here is that we have very large unintended consequences because of the size of this tax increase. Dr. Goff, let's talk about uh, the intended uh, amount, percentage of smokers we think will uh, give up smoking because of the tax increase. Uh, after the last one, my numbers might be off a little bit, I think it was around 15% of the tobacco use dropped. So this would be a $315 million tax, let's say another 15% drop. We would still be looking at roughly 85% of the smokers in the state of Colorado funding $350 million towards these different programs. Um, is, is that a fair burden to put on these shoulders that may very well include a lot of low-income smokers in rural areas of various ages? Yeah, yeah. 
So, so the first thing I would say is that the concerns that have been expressed about Amendment 72 were expressed about Amendment 35, that there would be a lot of smuggling and there'd be a lot of criminal activity uh, and that it wouldn't have an impact on smoking, and that's just not true. I mean, the reality of the last 12 years, as you mentioned, the smoking rates have gone down until just the past year. Just this past year, we saw an increase in sales of cigarettes in Colorado for the first time in over a decade. Because the value of the tax has declined over time, the deterrent effect of that tax has declined over time in terms of preventing youth initiation for smoking. And it's true we don't lock people up from smoking, but it's also true we want to keep our kids from smoking, and that's the real value of the amendment. Uh, the, the expectation is that, yes, smoking will go down, may go down by another, relatively speaking, 15 20%, uh, somewhere in that range. Uh, people who continue to smoke will be paying this tax. But smokers don't pay currently the full cost of the smoking behavior on society. S the amount of money raised in this tax will be much less than the amount of money that m is cost to Medicaid in Colorado by smokers. And that's cost that all of us bear for the health care conditions attributable to smoking. So yeah, the, the tax will go up and the people who continue to smoke will pay that tax. Uh, but it's less than the amount of money that we all spend on providing health care through Medicaid alone uh, to people who currently smoke. Let's get an opposing viewpoint on that, Linda. I, I saw the eyebrows <laughs> raised on the Medicaid uh, statistic came up. Your response? Um, I think there have been several studies of the lifetime cost of smoking um, both on medical costs and pension costs and the, the amount of tax that smokers pay. And as late as 2014, 2015, the result has been that they pay at least their fair share, if not more. Um, one of the things that you have to remember is most of the cost to smokers falls on individuals. I think one of the things to watch here that was really nice is we start out talking about the cost to society, and then all of a sudden we're talking about the cost to medicate. They're not the same thing at all. Um, second thing to point out is when you talk about percentage changes in um, smoking, um, it's better to think about levels in some sense. Like they do surveys to see what, what's the proportion of Colorado adults that, that smoke cigarettes. From 2011 to 2013, it didn't change. Um, and we spent about $600 million in anti-smoking funds. Colorado spends the ninth highest amount per capita. It's like $5.70 per capita. And it doesn't seem to be changing it a whole lot. Um, it may be that we've done as much as we can through state government to get smoking to go down. Um, we need to think about trade-offs. The $600 million would have paved about 500 miles of four-lane highways, milled and paved them. So those are the kinds of trade-offs we're talking about here. And I re repeat again, the taxes don't affect the kids in theory because they're not buying the cigarettes. One last thing, when you say that smoking sales increase in Colorado, you'd expect to see that if you had the same percentage of people smoking because the population's been growing so fast. So that's not necessarily an indicator, and that's why we look at rates. Eric? Well, let me pick up where Linda just left off with you, doctor. Even if you want to raise taxes and raise them by a buck seventy-five here, why earmark the money as opposed to letting it to states constantly in one fiscal crisis or another, why not let the money go into the general fund for the legislature to apportion for whatever priorities it sees on a regular basis? And the corollary question is, why did you do this constitutionally and put this in the Constitution where it's locked in as opposed to do it statutorily? 
Yeah, that's a great question. So I think the, uh, the, the issue there is that in, across the country, when tobacco taxes are raised, uh, they are fought by the increase in tobacco taxes is really fought heavily by the tobacco industry. And when tobacco, tobacco taxes are raised, uh, the lobby, the tobacco lobby, tries to divert the money away from cessation, uh, smoking cessation programs and away from programs that help prevent smoking. So smoking initiation prevention and smoking cessation. So it's important to have those programs written into this amendment so that we know the money is going to be used for purposes that benefit smokers and help prevent smoking and benefit communities that are disproportionately affected by the health consequences of smoking. And in Colorado, uh, by putting it into the Constitution, we also reduce the likelihood that, that we actually prevent politicians in the future from changing how this money is used under the influence of the tobacco lobby. But if I can just do a follow-up, so even 20 years from now, as needs change or as state government programs change, these programs will still be locked into the Constitution. Is that not correct? So the programs are currently written in such a way that some of the money is used for medical research, and as the needs change for medical research, the grants right. will change that uh, people apply for to address those uh, research issues. Some of the funds are put into improving access in uh, rural communities. We're going to need to continue to have access to health care in rural communities. Some of the money is put into um, mental health services. Uh, mental health problems aren't going away, sadly. Uh, and some of the funds are put into smoking cessation programs. And if they are as effective as they, you know, if they become completely effective and everybody quits smoking, the money will go away too. And that would be a happy day. And to Linda, let me ask you, I know you're not here as a official representative of the campaign, but per recent media reports, this campaign has received, the opposition campaign has received upwards of $10 million from the tobacco industry to fight this amendment. Are you comfortable basically being on the side of $10 million of tobacco industry money? Look, I think it's bad government to put this kind of fiscal policy into the state constitution. I think we have a legislature for a reason, and that is to control bureaucrats from funding their pet projects. If the tobacco industry happens to be on my side, fine. I don't change my opinions for the tobacco industry money. And I think that it's, it's pretty disrespectful to legislators, the people that we elect to office, to say that they bend to the tobacco industry no matter what. I think people tend to do what they think is right, and in this case, I think that it's wrong to put this kind of thing in the Constitution. I don't think that bureaucrats who run these programs spend the money any better than the legislature would. And in fact, sometimes I think they do complete harm. Bureaucracies, like anybody else, needs control. I was sitting in the Health Commission yesterday. We had a group get up and say that part of lowering health care costs in the state of Colorado would be to fund um, universal preschool for everybody in the state. Now, the point is, is that you can stretch health to cover almost any kind of spending you want. And we need to stop the uh, public health type bureaucracies from spending this money on their pet projects. And that's why this kind of funding needs to go through the General Assembly, not be in the Constitution. Dr. Goff, let me ask you just more of a, I guess, a personal liberty question. The, uh, nicotine, if, if it's not the most addictive drug in the world, it's, it's among the most addictive drugs in the world. And if people choose 
to smoke. Uh, they're making a decision. Um, at the end of the day, if this is going to even decrease smoking, let's say even 20%, is it not picking out people and making them pay for something because they have made a choice? Whether I agree that it's a good choice for them or not, I am making them, I'm putting $350 million on their backs, but I'm not doing it when people buy extra corn dogs at the fair or uh, buy a Corvette that's going to, or buy a motorcycle that's going to be less safe for them to drive than uh, uh, a reasonable sedan. Uh, why put this $350 million tax on these shoulders because of their personal choice? Yeah, so I think the first thing to remember is that the tax is about helping keep our kids from starting in the first place. And I know that it's been said that it's illegal for kids to buy cigarettes, but the reality is kids get cigarettes. Uh, we don't have an effective system to uh, completely prevent our kids from getting cigarettes. Most long-term smokers who become addicted to nicotine and to cigarettes start smoking well before the age of 18. Typical age of initiation is even before 15. So it's, it's an issue about helping keep our kids from starting. Uh, if this were simply an issue of adults with full uh, rational you know, choice, making a, an adult decision to start smoking, I could understand you know, that position as a libertarian kind of position, you know, free living individuals making choice. But, but only those people have, are actually buying cigarettes. I mean, I realize your point. The kids are buying the cigarettes too. But they must be buying them illegally, Exactly. Right? And so, if you raise the price in them, they'll be less likely to get them. Is, so it's, it's harder to get illegal cigarettes when they're more expensive? It's more expensive to buy illegal cigarettes when they're more expensive. And that deters kids from purchasing cigarettes. Okay. And so this is really about helping kids, keeping kids from starting smoking in the first place uh, before they've reached the full mental capacity to understand the consequences. And the tobacco industry knows this. I, I understand that Linda's not representing the tobacco industry. But the tobacco industry knows that to keep, uh, to keep their sales up uh, of an addictive, deadly product, they have to hook kids. Because if you don't start smoking by the age of about 18, people don't start later, right? So this is about kids starting smoking before they're old enough to understand. They get addicted to the nicotine, and then the tobacco industry has a lifelong supply of addicted customers. Uh, so the question of whether it's appropriate to put this tax on that population is, I would say, balanced by the importance of trying to prevent smoking initiation in the first place. Lynn, I guess I'll, I'll flip that personal liberty question for you. If uh, this isn't making smoking illegal, this isn't uh, taking it off as some sort of embargo, this is still letting people making their own choice, it's just uh, to be more expensive, um, does it still allow for personal choice in Colorado? Well, obviously it does, but um, the un unintended consequences are going to be really large. Let me tell you a story about a kid I knew who was in middle school um, before marijuana was legal. And I'm like, he's a stoner kid in eighth grade, you know, real failure of drug education. It's like, John, where are you getting your uh, marijuana? He said, oh, they're selling it on the school bus. So I really have absolutely no faith in the ability of higher taxes to keep kids from having cigarettes if, in fact, they want them. Um, kids are always, that's the every other word people say when they want to tax increases kids. They're being used as a shield here. 
Um, I think that given that Wyoming has an 80 cent tax, we're going to see large unintended consequences. And in New York State, where the tax is 435, about a third to 60 percent of the cigarettes sold there are illegal cigarettes. That doesn't keep kids from cigarettes. Um, another thing to think about, there's a lot of tobacco industry bashing going on here. Let's do a little public health bashing while we're, we're at it. Um, the tobacco industry has been pushing um, electronic cigarettes because that's a new source of revenue that's much less harmful than current cigarettes. No, um, we actually don't know that. Well, the research suggests right now it does. We know the nicotine is the same, but um, certainly the lung byproducts are less. So as far as we know so far, they're less harmful immediately than cigarettes. You're right. I should... We, we, we actually, we actually but, don't know that because of the chemicals in the propellants that we know very little right. about the effects of those chemicals on lung health. So, I mean, I think you know, electronic cigarettes, we, we know almost nothing about their health effects. There's very little data out there. And I know because I helped author a scientific statement on electronic cigarettes for the American Heart Association. I know that the establishment health groups, including CDC and the American Heart Association, American Lung Association, have all said that this is totally evil and they meet, need to be treated like cigarettes. I think that um, they have, in fact, helped a lot of people get off of cigarettes. And so one of the questions we should be asking here is, do we look at those or not? I think one of the reasons we're seeing that the, the mainstream health, public health people come out against them is they just don't want people smoking anything, and they're unwilling to think about harm reduction. I'm not sure that's a good idea. We only had a couple minutes left before our closing statement, so a short question. Let's do this one quickly. I'll start with you again, Doctor. Can you talk about who the biggest contributors are to the Yes on 72 campaign, and is there a correlation between some of those contributors with some of the beneficiaries of these new revenues? Yeah, so I know we've raised about $2 million. I actually don't know where the money has come from, so we'd have to find that out and get back to you uh, because I'm not involved in seeing the books on the campaign. Uh, but I do know that the campaign is supported by over 100 organizations in Colorado, including the American Heart Association, Children's Hospital Colorado, other groups that care about health and public health. Uh, and we know that this tax will reduce youth initiation. Amendment, Amendment 35 resulted in a reduction in youth smoking in Colorado. Linda, this is a probably a tougher question, but I'll ask you to keep it short. I know you're opposed to this amendment. What is government's legitimate role in smoking sensation issues, in, in public health issues of this kind. If it is not Amendment 72, where does government have a legitimate role here? I think it's informing people of the risks as far as they're known, um, helping them quit if in fact that's what you want to spend money for. That's why we provide free nicotine patches in Colorado already. Um, to some extent you may want to tax things so that you take care of the social costs. We've, we've done that with tobacco. Um, and Beyond that, though, I think that you have to be mindful of the unintended consequences that are here. And you certainly do not fund things in the state constitution because all kinds of bureaucracy can go off the reservation. And I would add that many of the uh, groups that are supporting this are groups that, in my experience, yes, are concerned about people's health, but their notion of improving people's health is expanding government programs and restricting their liberty. And I don't think that's the best way to do that. Let's get to our closing statements. We offer each of our uh, representatives one minute for a closing statement. We flip a coin before the debate, and that means, Dr. Goff, you are up first for one minute. Well, thank you. So, as I mentioned earlier, I, I'm a doctor and a, a prevention researcher and a longtime volunteer with the American Heart Association. Uh, and I support Amendment 72 because I feel very passionately about the importance of preventing kids from starting to smoke 
in the first place. Most of our kids are born with good heart health. Far too many of them fritter that away over their early years, and we have far too many people uh, dying of heart disease and stroke and lung cancer still. We know that the most effective way to prevent kids from starting smoking in the first place is to raise tobacco taxes. That's been shown over and over again in every state across the country and at the federal level. When the tobacco tax goes up, uh, smoking rates in kids go down. Uh, the tobacco industry knows this, so they fight every tax increase proposed across the country. And it doesn't really matter how the tax increase is couched. It doesn't matter whether it's a statutory tax increase. It doesn't matter whether it's in, in the Constitution. The tobacco industry doesn't care about that. They just want to hook our kids on tobacco. Thank you, Dr. Goff. Uh, Linda Gorman, your one-minute closing statement. Well, if kid tobacco, if smoking rates keep going down, they're doing a real bad job of hooking kids on tobacco. This is a bad idea because it puts, it gives bureaucracies unaccountable funds that the legislature can't oversee. It sticks it in the Constitution so they get this funding, even if cancer goes away and stroke and heart disease go away. Um, it'll have big unintended consequences. One of the reasons that the studies always show that when you raise the taxes, smoking goes down is that they just look at sales of cigarettes. Well, yeah, when you raise the taxes, sales of legal cigarettes go down. All of the bordering states of Colorado have much lower tax rates than we will have if this amendment passes, and you're just asking for big criminal problems if you do that. Linda, thank you very much. That is all the time we have for our look at Amendment 72 and the proposed tax increase on cigarettes in Colorado. I'd like to thank our guests for joining us, Dr. David C. Goff, Jr. and Linda Gorman. I'd like to thank my fellow panelists, Eric Sonneman, as well. If you have to find out more information about any of the primary election races or general election races as it may be here at this season, visit our websites at cpt12.org slash election, cbsdenver.com, or koanewsradio.com. Coming up next week, Colorado Decides looks at the race for Congressional District 2 and the both sides of the story uh, tournament in 2016 continues. The semifinals with Monroe Rausch from George Washington and Andrew Ying of Cherry Creek High School's debate the gas tax to fund Colorado highways. For everyone here at Colorado Public Television, I'm Dominic Dizzuti. Thank you very much for watching. Good night.